up, everybody? I go by the name of Sly. And I'm Cardia Dadon. And we want to encourage you guys to listen to The Melting Pot. Where we will release new episodes every Sunday discussing today's most hottest and controversial topics. Stirring up all things popular culture. And you know what they say. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Brought to you by The Melting Pot. Another installment here at the Melting Pot. I'm your host, Sly. I'm Cardia the Dawn. And today we're talking all things CBD products, spirituality, activism, and feminism. And we have a special group of ladies that we found particularly interesting. We've just been seeing a whole bunch of takeover media with uh, the Sisters of the Valley. And we're going to let them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more of why they are so interesting. <laughs> Really? I'm not sure we think we're so interesting, but thank you. That was lovely intro. I'm Sister Kate, and I'm the founder of Sisters of the Valley. And I'm Sister Maria. I've come from New Zealand to join the California Sisterhood. Oh, all the way from New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, how was your home life in New Zealand? Uh, it's illegal. Cannabis is illegal in New Zealand. So, yeah. you. Could... She. It wasn't a matter of her home life. She... Uh, had, had two teenage children who who kind of revolted when she told them she was joining the weed nuns. And we had to work with, of course, immigration uh, to get and lawyers to make to make it possible for her to come and live and work with us for three years. But she has a calling to the medicine. And so we did that. It was a long wait, but we just got her here. What, a month ago? Yeah. Wow, mom. So not not too far into it. So you spoke on a calling. Does everyone have that type of personal testimony of, of our certain calling? Yeah, I would hope. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy to fake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. I mean, most of the sisters I'm working with, I have a very, like, we've gone through a lot of crazy in our seven years. But uh, Maria's been with, the ones that, that are here now have all been here for quite some time. Maria came in like as early as, I think, 2018? 2017. 2017. So the, the, we started in January of 2015. By 2017, she came on her own dime from New Zealand and came back a couple of times to learn the medicine and to start representing the order in New Zealand. But when the laws shifted against her and the people voted that even one hemp seed is a narcotic, she said, get me out of here or I'm going to the outback and it won't be good for anyone. And so we, we, you know, we waited 20 months, I think, was the process to get permission for her to come. The rest of the sisters that I have here, they're from all over. Sister Quinn was born and raised in, in Vancouver and Sister Sophia did, uh, born and, and until she was 10 or 12 raised in South Africa and then moved to Detroit and then later in life became a weed nun. Um, all the sisters have a very interesting journey and an interesting story and relationship with the plant. 
and uh, and I won't get into them, but I will tell you, like for Sister Sophia, her experience was with her dying daughter who was three and had cancer, and she illegally smuggled uh, uh, cannabis oil into her daughter's system and saved her. Um, and we have those kinds of, my story's not quite so dramatic. I uh, I was living in, the Am- in Amsterdam when I was going through menopause and I was having terrible symptoms. I was miserable. And my doctor told me, do you ever smoke weed? And I said, yeah, I have recreationally. And he goes, well, you need to smoke more <laughs> and, uh, and quit with the alcohol and the coffee. I mean, he gave me other advice besides that. And my symptoms went away. So, and until that point, I hadn't thought about it as a medicinal plant. And so this order exists basically to help raise the planetary consciousness on, on the, the options for plant medicine. Wow. I want to go back to the beginning. How did the organization start? And then you, Sister Kate, you said that you founded the organization. So where did you get the idea from? Um, there were a couple of like moments, like catalytic moments for me. I was already growing cannabis. When I came to California, my brother and I, the law had just changed to allow us to form a collective, a nonprofit, and deliver cannabis to dying patients. So it started there. <laughs> the nun in me started to sprout there when I was delivering cannabis to dying patients. And I had to form a board of directors with a doctor and uh, a lawyer, and I would have got a cop on the board if I could have. But basically, it was very, very quiet, very closed group. Um, and I did that, and I was only dealing with dying patients. And then along the way, the Occupy movement was born, and I, on sort of a dare, went to the first Occupy event as sister in a nun outfit. It was the day Michelle Obama tried to talk to Congress about how unhealthy our children's meals are. And they, a week later, they filibustered and declared pizza a vegetable. And <laughs> they did. And I was so outraged for Michelle Obama. I was so offended that they like did that to her when she was addressing a very serious subject. So when, when Congress declared pizza a vegetable, I declared myself a nun. And I went to the Occupy I, for the next like two, four years, I was trooping around. The whole time Trump was in office, I was, well, or I guess that came later. I'm not sure. I think it was all the Wall Street stuff. Then. It was the what? Yes, it was all about the Occupy movement then. So for there was like four years where I was out with Occupy after the banking crisis. And uh, people were wanting to join me and I would have to tell them, no, you're crazy. When it's one person dressed in religious garb, that's crazy. That's one step from really crazy, if it's not all the way crazy. And that I was trying to do this as a protest to the establishment. If pizza's a vegetable, then I'm a nun and I'm clearly not a nun. Uh, what happened though, is it started a four year debate on what would a new order of nuns look like? If we could forget about history and relaunch today, what would a new order of nun look like? And I had the great, great honor of discussing this with women of all colors and all ages in LA and San Francisco and Sacramento, up and down the coast at all these different protests. And that conversation led to the fact that we know that the organic way to heal the world is that just have women own shit. If women own shit, everything, it would automatically be a more compassionate world. And and so we didn't want to be a religion because religions only sell words. And we, I felt specifically that women shouldn't have to beg for money. 
I specifically feel that women give away a lot of their powers through nonprofits and end up shit on at the end of the day. And, and not, I don't have anything against nonprofits. They certainly hold up the world in many, many ways. But for many women, they don't end up building anything for themselves. And so uh, we're out to help the women build something for themselves, help the women be in a position where no one can take their housing away from them or their business or their livelihood and help them be uh, do it together, lean on each other, do it old school. And what turned out is that there is a model for this. There absolutely is. In the castles of, the castles of Europe in the Middle Ages, there were groups known as the Begins, and they were women who lived together, worked together, prayed together, but they did not take lifetime vows. That was the only thing. They were like the precursors to the Catholic nuns. They did not affiliate themselves with any one religion. They were scholars of religion and they owned their own land. And, and from what the history says, uh, men did live with them, but they were only 10 to 20% of their population. It was mostly women. And those were the first, they created the first organized nursing career path in the castles of Europe in the Middle Ages. And their whole intention was to help women create financial independence. And they were scholarly. So we are, we attempt to be like them. Wow, Sister Kay, I think that you really just taught us something because let's go back to the pizza as a vegetable thing. I don't think me nor my co-host knew that. Oh, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we were just baffled yeah. looking at each other right now. <laughs> I thought that was my first, that was my 15 minutes of fame because mm. I wrote an article called Pizza as a Vegetable and, and, and the, the papers around here picked it up. Wow. And I wrote another one called Where Are the Clergy? Because this was my sister Occupy time. And I'm out at every protest and every injustice, and I'm not seeing the clergy there. And when I was a young girl, and Martin Luther King's time, when he marched, the clergy were with him. And I didn't understand where they went. So I went and researched, and I found out, and this I'm telling you, this was like eight, eight or 10 years ago now. Occupy was 2011 that I researched this and found out that, first of all, the Catholic priests aren't allowed to mingle with the public because they can't be trusted with their you-know-whats. Oh, oh. And then, secondly, the nun, the average age of a new mm. nun in America at that time was 78 years old. So if your youngest nun is 78 years old, that you're not building much of an army, And I'm just saying. No offense, no, no offense to the nuns. They, they get real mad at me, by the way, when I say that, because they say... I say they're going extinct and they say we're re reinventing ourselves. And many of the Catholic nuns around the world are by doing creative co-housing things and community things. So my hat's off to them. No disrespect to them. But seriously, Michelle Obama tried to talk to Congress. Congress didn't want to hear from her. So to keep from listening to her, they filibustered. And then because they knew she was going to speak about how unhealth, how we feed our children crap compared to other first world nations, they just met a week later on taxpayer dollar and declared pizza vegetable. It was too much for me. I had like four teenage boys living in my house or five. And that morning when they came in my office, I said, Congress just declared pizza vegetable. I think I'm going to declare myself a nun. And they said, you need to go with that. And you need to go to Occupy like that. So I did. And that kind of started this whole thing. Wow. You spoke on, um, you know, not being a fan of nonprofits. Are there any charities that you and the sisters do support? 
Oh yeah, we we support bunches of them. <laughs> but, but but I'm just saying that for the, for most women, even women are just very very quick to give away their powers and and to not watch out for themselves. I'm just saying in my experience, um, they can end up very very vulnerable in their old age and alone if they're not building for themselves. But yes, we give. Like we give three dollars per sister per month to eight billion trees to make sure that the the reforestation is always happening. We give three dollars per month per sister to the human rights organization campaign, and then we do similar things like that for certain politicians, politicians like that we think can make a difference: Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, mm-hmm. um, the Sherry Davis in Texas, um, and, and you know so. We, we kind of try to put out, we're not, you know, wealthy, but we try to give a little bit here and there because we certainly respect the work they're doing. We're, we give a little bit more probably to the Hemp Industry Association, which uh, holds our DEA accountable whenever they want to bust a farmer who's taking hemp seeds to his pigs. Um, and so, you know, that's basically, we try to, we try to support the politics that support our activism. Of course. Of course. So you talked about a lot of, um, kind of indirectly, but about feminism. I wanted to, you know, get a direct answer. Like, what does feminism mean to you? I mean, for me, it means being pro everything that it can create. That means being pro Mother Earth and pro uh, women who can give birth because we're all part of the holy creation process. And so feminism to me is bigger than equal rights. It is more to... almost better than because you have to have respect for those who can create and you don't get to tell those who can create how to create and when to create yeah and i'm going to piggyback but turn it a little bit you mentioned that women can often lose their voice if they're not speaking up for what they believe in so how does one join the sisterhood I, I think I think maybe we skipped something that was kind of critical, and that is how we ended up making medicines, because I ended up being invited as Sister Occupy to a holy mountain retreat where 60 tribes from the West Coast, 60 Native American tribes from the West Coast gather for four days on a mountaintop to practice ancient traditions. And those ancient traditions include a woman doesn't talk to a man from another tribe without a man from her tribe either introducing them or being present. I mean, we had to go, in order to go do this weekend, another sister and I, I, at the time I didn't really have a sisterhood. I was sister occupied. So Sheila would show up and my friend would show up either in a burqa or in a, I never knew what she'd show up in. And um, as a burqa, a biker, or a nun. It could be one of those. Um, But anyway, she went with me, and we had to go to Fresno and meet with one of the elders for sort of a debriefing on this is what you're going to experience this weekend. These are the rules. And while I was up there, I got a chance to meet with very old, very wise women who've been on the planet for 90 years or longer and know all the ancient medicine recipes and secrets. And... led us to discussions about why this knowledge is not being passed down um, in their own line, with their own people at least. I'm not saying white man needs to have it. I'm just was commenting that were they training anyone? Were they passing down this knowledge? And the answer I got was that the girls today don't walk a red enough road 
uh, to because the, the medicine can only be taught to someone who walks a strict red road, meaning very strict Native American, ancient culture, ancient customs. And of course, I challenge that because I'm like, you're all going to be bones in the grave and you're, all your knowledge is just going to evaporate off the planet when it is so desperately needed right now. And these kind old women sort of gave me permission <laughs> to create my own pink path with any knowledge I could pick up from them on the mountaintop. And when I left the mountaintop, I also on the mountaintop met a Native American man who had been arrested 99 times for his activism. So he said, I'm really the 99% and quit protesting because he didn't want to be, <laughs> he didn't want to go past his 99. <laughs> when I left that mountaintop, I was, uh, I learned so much that weekend. Um, I learned, I didn't know this, but when we first, Christopher Columbus first purportedly discovered this land, I quote unquote discovered, they were killing American, killing Native Americans yeah. and serving them meat in Parisian restaurants. So fresh Indian meat was a thing. Wow. So I learned a lot while I was, I had no idea. I learned, to, they don't teach that in our history yeah. books. They definitely do not. And I, I learned a lot about activism and how they have how they promote activism with their own people as a daily conscious thing. And I learned so much that I came off the mountaintop kind of determined, I have to do this. I have to grow something. I really have to make something and it can't be a religion. Yeah. And uh, so that, so that those two events kind of led together. And now to answer your question, how you become a sister is we've set up on Patreon, a place where a handshake can occur for $5. Um, and they, we have no better way to do it, but have someone pay the $5 because they get 30 days to pull down our book of customs in PDF form and review the important chapters like our customs and beliefs. And then in those 30 days, they have to go back and answer a very detailed questionnaire. We want to know, did you read it? And what about you makes you think you'd fit with us and all about you. And then you don't have to keep paying the $5. Many people do continue to pay the $5. We don't, it's an application fee to us. It's a handshake. That's all we care about. After that, the people that do pay get our moon ceremonies and behind the scene content. But that's not important to the handshake. Once someone pays the $5 and puts in their information, it stays there. That's in our library. And then once they've done that, they can reach out to any of the sisters and try to arrange a visit because they have to come here and work with us first, first and foremost. So what would you say is a typical day for you guys, like from morning, from sunrise to sunset? It is very different. <clears throat> there is no real typical day here at the Enclave because different people are doing different things. We go, we, our sales are only about 60% what they were pre-COVID. So we're struggling with a post-pandemic economy and our sales are down. Right. Therefore, there are a number of sisters here living and working for someone else and not the enclave where they can draw very fat salaries from universities and big companies as project managers. So we have two sisters here who every day are in their offices on Zoom calls from seven till four and we leave them the heck alone except to serve them lunch, lunch right? Yeah. <laughs> the rest of us, we are working for the Enclave and it just depends. We all have kind of our own exercise ritual. We have our own morning ritual. We, uh, we, we always say we practice living alone together because we don't want to be on top of each other. Uh, we all have sort of different missions. Maria is much more kitchen focused and production focused. I'm more office and finance focused. Uh, Quinn is and Keanu are watching over shipping and 
and garments and, and Cass is watching over customer service. Uh, to the extent possible, we're trying to get everybody to create their own job and their own hours and gravitate toward what everybody does best and move people when they get bored. Oh, so it's a multitude of things that you can do there. Yeah, we do everything here and we only sell uh, online on our online store, sistersofvalley.org. Um, so we're not dealing with the public, so that preserves our energy in many ways. <laughs> right. And we don't even do customer service. We have that outsourced to a sister brother team in Canada, and we have our our uh, like sales and marketing and um, search engine optimization and blah 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 all outsourced to another team. So that in, over time, what it was, we needed to focus on the medicine making here and make sure everything about the medicine making runs smooth. In the During COVID, we launched a mushroom coffee lab and we built that and assembled it and started producing our own mushroom coffee, which is a mood stabilizer, which weed is great, but if you are dealing with chronic anxiety, like things of a pandemic, weed, you'd have to stay all the time, high all the time to get your anxiety handled. So right. we, when we, we had an ex-Catholic nun who was with us for two years and when the pandemic happened, like two months into it, she melted down and stole a car and ran away. So I said to the sisters, you know, we still don't know where she is. I said, we don't, we don't. And so I said to the sisters, you know, bitches, the weed's just not doing it. (laughs) We gotta do better. So we started, you know, researching seriously mushrooms as mood stabilizer and we put it with ashwagandha root and made a 17 ingredient mushroom coffee with very high quality exotic ingredients from around the world. Cause why not? It was pandemic. We were bored. We had nothing better to do. So we just researched our spices and we did taste testing for months until we came across the, the exact recipe we wanted. And, and we're selling it now and people love it. What we're getting is people are saying apps. And I never gave up my coffee, by the way, I still make one fourth of my cup every day with real coffee but it's, I've significantly reduced my coffee bean intake yeah. and the mushrooms and the ashwagandha root help you be more Buddhist about any shit life gives you. Right. That's what's up. That's, that's understandable and interesting. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the, the process with, you know, the, the coffee plants making. and the coffee. I don't know about the coffee making. Oh, you want to know about the coffee? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so so remember the Catholic nun I told you about that stole a car and ran away? Uh-huh. Vroom, vroom. We weren't too sad because she didn't, she wasn't much of a contributor in a big way. So the, and this relates to the coffee because the first thing we had to do is source. We knew that the base of the coffee, like 30% of the coffee was going to be cocoa and um, a high quality tea from India like chai tea, but chai tea is actually a blend of teas, but that's what we were going for, this blend of teas. Well, the only ingredient we couldn't get powderized was that tea. We had to get it, to get the organic tea that we wanted to do, we had to get the dried tea leaves, which means we had to get a powderizing machine. So first thing we did is buy a powderizing machine. We ended up with two of them because for every three minutes they run, they need a three minute rest. So we named them Big Sierra and Little Sierra. After the night, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Because if you run over five minutes, they need a five-minute rest. And it's a five-minute maximum. They're, they, But they grind it into a powder. And then the next thing we had to do is invest in a 
pharmaceutical grade powder mix mixer. And we because she's belt driven, she never needs to rest. So we named her Matilda. <laughs> and she's awesome. So with those two pieces of equipment, at which which was probably all together not more than a three thousand dollar investment, we were and then some steel tables and and stealing the the women's den away from the sisters, we converted it into a lab. Then what we did is we looked for the other ingredients that we wanted in there to make sure that we had like. 8% ratio, 8% shiitake, 8%, want exactly the same amount in each of six mushrooms, tiger's tail, lion's mane, six of the mushrooms recommended for health maintenance and mood stabilization, along with ashwagandha root, and then some spices. And we sourced them from wherever we could get organic and best quality. Right. So as far as the testing process, the, did you guys find it like a one and done or is a whole bunch of test trials? Oh, we did. Yeah, we did basically eight recipes. So we did recipe one and basically the recipe came up from math, from me sitting down with Excel spreadsheet and saying, okay, if we want to make sure that no more than 35% of this brew is the base, the cocoa and the chai tea base then how much of the mushrooms can I put in there? And then we basically started there. And that first recipe tasted awful. The one done just off of math just tasted awful. And then we went, okay, well, we need more cinnamon and less of this, less ginger for crying out loud and less of this. So we were tweaking spices and um, trying to increase the mushrooms and the ashwagandha root without messing with the flavor too much. So what happened is we we would spread the test tastes out by about a month. So we'd do two recipes, and a month later we'd do two more. The winner of that one, so recipe one and two, and then like a month later we'd do another one with recipe two, the winning one from those two up against a new one, and then the winning one from those two up against a new one. We, we ended up developing eight recipes in total. Recipe five won, and we kept going to see if we can make it better, and we couldn't. It kept winning, even when we were trying to improve it, improve it, improve it. That's basically how we did it. Wow. I mean, I can't even do algebraic equations. Y'all over here doing formulas and science. Yeah, but I bet you know someone who does. Yeah, and you'd be right. like, show me how to do Excel. Yeah. I need to stick in these right. ingredients. Right. Excel sheet, you lost me there. I'm just, I'm yeah. lost. <laughs> But I commend it because I couldn't do it. I just don't think a lot of people know how much, you know, math and science goes into it. So, okay. Oh, there does. And then, of course, we test everything at the lab so that we can prove to everybody that it's all clean and green, which that's like a $500 test to prove that there's no crap in it. Right. But, but And then you have to learn how to read test results because if something fails, because recently we had a failure with our salve where our organic beeswax had pesticide in it and if we didn't do these annual tests where we spend a fortune and test everything we wouldn't have known because it wasn't there last year and suddenly the same supplier same beeswax has stuff in it and we're living in a very scary world and i'm afraid anybody who's in the business of medicines or providing products to their patients is going to be spending a lot more on testing yeah because we're in scary times like this stuff was not there seven years ago it wasn't there six years ago five years ago all of a sudden it showed up it's the same with our water. We test every year. We've never had mercury and lead. Suddenly. Right. And the scientists say, 
oh, it's not levels that will hurt you. It doesn't matter. There's been no mercury and lead in our water for seven years. There is trace amounts now. Why? And now we have to do something about it. I agree. I definitely think that, you know, that came out of nowhere. With the pandemic, did you guys find it difficult with shipping and to either get stuff imported or send it out? Yes. Like, but you know what? (laughs) I have to tell you, I lived in Europe for nearly a decade so to me, pandemic just made America like Europe. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I, when I first moved to Europe, and that was like in 1994, I remember ordering uh, my phone line into my phone and them saying it would be, they'll arrive sometime between week six and week eight. And I'm like, whoa. And everything that happened in the Netherlands took forever. So when the pandemic came and a lot of us are, aren't from you know, the sisters are from all over, like I said, from other countries. And so for for a lot of us, it was just like, wow, this is just like Europe. Mm-hmm. The worst was that we ordered a, uh, a new sofa for our yurt in October of 2021, and it arrived in May of 2022. So that was our worst. As far as our suppliers for our bottles and our beeswax and all of that, nope, they kept us, our suppliers kept us supplied come hell or high water maybe with a week or two delay, but that's the most we experience. Do you guys have any uh, rituals when, you know, practicing the herbology, like anything you do to bless the plants or anything spiritual like that? Yeah, we do. We, we make our products by the cycles of the moon. So every batch is labeled by a particular moon cycle. And we are, uh, we have, we practice do no harm while we're making medicine. So we're vegetarian and diet. We probably should be vegan, but we're vegetarian from new moon to full moon while the medicine making is going on. And then from full moon to the next new moon, we're allowed to have meat once a day. Um, So that's one of our practices. We have a full moon. A new moons are for the women. Means it's potluck what we're going to do in a new moon. Full moons are for the tribe. We always have a tribal dinner and we always have a fire ceremony outside unless we're traveling. We just missed a full moon because we were on on our our six-day green tour. But generally we every month probably 10 times a year we have a full moon ceremony and uh and then the rest of our practices are like up to the sisters all the sisters have their own you know greet the day rituals we have moon water and sconces by the doors it's one of our practices to cross ourselves with the moon water when we enter a room to say and say earth fire wind and waters mother goddess bless your daughters we have a version for the guys. If they don't like it, they can say, bless your sons and your daughters. <laughs> you mentioned that you were, you guys, you ladies were vegetarian. Do you grow your food on the compound? We are vegetarian uh, two weeks a month. Oh, two weeks a month. Okay. Um, and uh, we try, but we're not very, we're not as good at that as we are at medicine making. Let me just say that. We either get all kale or all carrots. I don't think it's a, we have a problem growing. It's a problem harvesting because we either I end up with a million gourds hanging around the fences yeah. and what the heck, or, you know, it just, it's the, the men are very focused on the hemp crop yeah. and the sisters, we're not, we're more, many of us are more business from the business world yeah. than we are from the farm world. Right. So we're still trying to learn that. But we try. Yeah, we try every, every season. season. We try. Well, I mean, we can make you for trying we got hella kale last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got kale. Yeah, I mean, kale is good to me. I know a lot of people. Green it's not smoothie. There. 
go to. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Nothing like a variety, though. Yeah. But, um, so I know you guys aren't like, you know, too heavy on religion, but do you guys believe that the work you're doing in your community is appealing to the newer generation, the younger generation? And how so? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, I mean, I would hope. I would hope. The most fun thing about this for me, this whole order, is the young people who've had no religious indoctrination. And I was raised Catholic family, Midwest, Catholic grade school, big fight because my brothers had to go to Catholic high school. and I didn't want to go to Catholic high school. I wanted to go to the new public school. So, and that was like a trauma to the Catholic family. And so for me, I was just steeped in it. So to be with these young girls who, some of them have never even been to church a day in their lives, it's funny. And I'll give you an example. The sisters take their own first name. And then after they've been with the order for two to four years, we bestow on them their second name. And that name is after someone famous in history that's an activist. So I was at a naming ceremony a couple years ago and a new sister tells me that her sister name is going to be Evie. And I say, oh, how biblical. And she says, without batting an eye, I don't know about that. I got it from Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, isn't that joyful? Isn't that fun? I cracked up. At my age, not a lot of surprises in life. She made me like almost spit out my ceremonial wine. We were at the altar (laughs) conversation happened and I just thought it was so funny and it is a it is refreshing but they also what is also fun is we are spiritual beings on a physical walk here so these young people want it crave it needed and so they're very creative in bringing their interpretations their readings what they want to do that you know they'll show up with some like something that represents a tarot card that represents a period in their life dabbling with black magic that they want to offer to the fire. There's things that surprise me all the time in their reach for finding spirituality. And so they belong, they have every right to be here and we have to listen to what they want and try to give them what they need. You mentioned that there there's a naming ceremony and um, also mentioned that that's where they get their second name from. And you mentioned in the beginning about the handshake is the application. Yes. Is there a point where um, in the sisterhood where you take vows? Yes. And that is what makes us different from the Begins. The Begins did not take vows, but they, but we are like them in the way that assist, they were they allowed sisters to leave and come back. They weren't like, oh, you're with us or against us. And if you're not here every day with us, yes. then we're shunning you. Yeah. Not like that at all. The Begins were understood people had their own missions. Some had to go out and do other things. Some had to go out and have children and be with a husband for a while. But they were always allowed to come back to the enclave. We want to be more like them. Sorry, I just got way off that. What did she just ask me? <laughs> well, you're fine. Um, what did I ask you? Oh, uh, he asked about uh, you know, does sister takes vows oh, wow. and yes. you guys pray yes. often? Yes. So we do take six vows. So what makes us more like the Catholic nuns then, unless than the begins? is that the Catholic nuns take vows. But my opinion of St. Scholastica and the Catholic nuns is that they she formed that when the Inquisition was beginning and where the beginnings were ending, where anyone who was independent of the Catholic Church was being destroyed. So I think St. Scholastica came up with poor, cloistered, penniless, no property owning, no books, 
um, in order to survive. It was a survival mood, but she really was probably a Beguine or wanted to be a Beguine, but couldn't under the circumstances. But in any case, we take six vows, but we don't take a vow to a person or an organization. We make no oath of allegiance to any person or God. Imaginary God. Our, yeah, our vows are six. We take a vow of service. It spells out the the word solace. The acronym spells out the word solace. Oh, wow. Service, service obedience, but the obedience is not to a person or an entity. It's obedience to organizing your lives by the cycles of the moon. Uh, the L is for living simply, the A is for activism, the C is for chastity, and the E is for ecology. Wow. Okay. Now, going back to chastity, if you look it up, there's mm -hmm. like six de definitions in the dictionary. We chose the one that suits the women, uh -huh. which is to dress and act in modestly and humbly. Mm -hmm. And so there are no rules about being celibate. But there is a rule about privatizing yeah. your sexuality. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. So you must be in my note card. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of psychedelic, psychedelic powers there. Right. Yeah, because literally it's going to be our next question. No, but it, I think most people want to know that. Where in some Catholic traditions, the veil represents the bride of Christ. Yeah. Our veil represents uh, the Beguines, our Beguine ancestors. And as we sprout enclaves in other places, we hope that the women will adapt a uniform and a head covering that's similar to their ancient mothers. So this may be another popular question, but you know, you guys are not affiliated with the Catholic Church, uh, but you know, you dress as, you know, typical nuns would do. Um, is there a lot of criticism that, you know, you get from traditional nuns of the Catholic Church? Or of the, or from the Catholic Church? No. I mean, one Polish nun once wrote an article in Poland screaming about me. You didn't know about that? Mm -hmm. Oh, once in our seven years from a Polish nun. But they got bigger problems over there right yeah. now with Putin. Um, and the Catholic nuns from the coast are very kind to us mm -hmm. and send us gifts and messages of support. Um, we've gotten gifts and notes of support from Catholic nuns <laughs> in retirement homes all over America. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but what they say is uh, that we are doing the work that they would do if they were outside the patriarchy. Yeah. They get that they're limited inside the patriarchy and we're less limited yeah. because, you know, we don't have that. Right. So when the sisterhood pray, who or what do you pray to? Oh, we pray to some God everybody else prays to. It's the same same creator God everybody else prays to. Like we don't, we say we put Mother Earth at the center of our spirituality, but that's because we think by leaving her out, which the Catholic Church purposely left Mother Earth out of everything and anything, led to fracking and destroying her. Yeah. So we think Mother Earth has to be the subject of every ceremony, just like with the natives. And just like the natives, we don't, gather to talk about how to talk to God. We gather to put out our prayers to our creator and our higher powers. And in our belief system, we have eight core beliefs. And how we came to these eight core beliefs by, was by studying what were the top 12 beliefs of our begging ancestors in the castles of Europe in the year 800. 
And what were the top 10 beliefs of the Native America of this land of California in the year 800? And I chose that because that's before they started distributing the Bible. And that was about the beginning of when it would no longer be legal to have Mother Earth in the center of your spiritual practices. And where the eight beliefs overlapped, we adopted those as our own. So, for example, our first core belief is that we have to organize our lives by the cycles of the moon and the, and be in the natural rhythm of life forces marked by the phases of the moon and the seasonal quarters and cross quarters. So that's our first primary belief. Our second belief is that we recognize that our human intelligence gives us a unique responsibility toward our environment and we seek to live in harmony with nature. So we promoted nature to second place because so did our ancestors. And then in third place, we have creator God, which so did our ancestors have creator God in third place. And that reads like this. We acknowledge a depth of power far greater than what our eyes can see, a creator and a connectedness between the people themselves and with the planet. We believe that the hurt of one is the hurt of all and the honor of one is the honor of all. So there, there's our God in our third belief. And demoted to belief three because it doesn't he does that doesn't matter as much as sinking yourself to nature and to honoring the people of the planet and the people. That's all more important. Can you say belief two one more time? Just because it it just it shook the room. Oh sorry, that was number three. I would do two we again. We acknowledge a depth of power far greater than what our eyes can see a creator and a connectedness between the people themselves and with the planet. We believe that the hurt of one is the hurt of all and the honor of one is the honor of all. Snap it up for that one. Uh, we got a couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up. But um, what advice do you have for young women that think, you know, they might be called to this particular religious life? My advice to all people, whether they're young women or for originals, is that Regardless of what is going on in the planet, regardless of the chaos and the doom, because young people especially have been handed a shitty deal where the generations before them have just been trashing the planet and, and hurting all life forms. So what I say to anybody is you still owe it to yourself to follow your bliss. You can be, you can be uh, ecological and you can be in harmony with nature and still follow your bliss. So if you have a calling, follow that calling. And if your family resists, don't take that, don't be upset that your family or your friends resist your calling. Take that as a sign that you are loved and that people care about you. And just recently on a road trip, I said to the sisters, you know what? It's kind of a red flag if a sister joins us and no one makes a fuss in their life. Because the ones who joined and no one made a fuss about it never ended up staying or working out. But the ones who's, you know, caused a lot of drama saying you joined a cult or yeah, like, like Sister Maria's yeah. da- uh, children just saying this is awful, you're joining. I've been investigated so many times. Wow. My investigators, because they all think I'm trying to join mm-hmm. a help, make a cult and use people. But it's almost like that resistance makes me think, ah. You know what? Those people love her. And especially if something as weird as weed nuns. I mean, what the heck? That is kind of out there. You wouldn't expect that if someone loves you that they're just going to salute you and go, yeah, go be a weed nun. Sounds groovy. It takes some It takes some explaining. It takes some education. And that explaining helps them become good sisters. 
that making their own family understand what we're about is practice for being a missionary sister with us and making the world understand what we're about. When people call you weed nuns and say that you're trying to be like the church, do that bother you or you just learn to just let it roll off your back? Oh, no. You know what? We went, we, we were formed under cannabis being still completely outlawed, right? And so to us, it was always delightful that they wanted to bicker about us being real nuns or fake nuns or offending the Catholic nuns. Church or not, because they weren't talking about cannabis. They Like, the cannabis was okay. So we're like, good. Bash on us and leave the plant alone. I felt like we're a decoy. And in, and we're still playing that role in other countries now. Do you guys have any hobbies or interests outside of the order? Yeah, I think um, we try to have lives because if we don't, then we just might as well stay in the patriarchy. We're as bad as them, you know? So we try to have time. I, for example, I try to do morning and afternoon exercise every day, but not crazy stuff, bike rides and walks, and just to get away from my work and to break it up so I'm not working all the time. Some of us uh, do ancestry. All of us play in our craft yards with the, we get Barbie dolls that are found naked and forlorn at flea markets for 50 cents or a dollar. And we bring them home and we've built a craft yard around them and we clean them up and give them purpose-driven lives. And then we, we give them uniforms and we set them in environments where they're making, where they're just like us. Yeah. They're like a miniature us. Miniature us. Yeah. And then we uh, sell them and we make memes out of them. And from our road trip, we were selling And Then some of the sisters make mini bongs and some make mini joints mm-hmm. and some make mini weed trays. And so more and more, some work on the houses, on remodeling, getting the pink out of old houses, doll houses, so that they have decent places to live and work. And so that's kind of a group passion project, that over there. Uh, but I'll, like I said, Sophia likes to do her yoga at night. I like to do my exercise in the morning. We're not connected that way. We have a really safe, quiet, humble environment. And the goal is to let the sisters create that, weave that pattern of their day that suits them best. Wow. So you guys pretty much stay busy, whether it's through work or, you know, your leisure activities. It's pretty cool. I'm learning piano. I ordered two. I ordered two banjos, but no one will pick them up. So I have a over there. So I'm hoping the next sister doesn't mind learning the banjo. Well, I mean, then they have like a whole little musical set. You know, they could join a band, take some pots and pans, yeah, uh, maybe drum it. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, we have drums. We have drums and tambourines. Mm-hmm. What else do we have? Oh, we for our singing bowls. Yeah, and we have the natives usually gift us some very interesting ancient instruments. instruments. Yeah. I don't know what you call two sticks that click together, but <laughs> I'm sure they have a holy name for it. So do you guys have like talent shows and concerts, musicals, festivals? Well, we haven't done that yet. We talk about it, but frankly, life is just a lot of work. We haven't had time to do that because we have a whole shed where all the sisters' gowns and clothes that we refuse to get rid of, even though we know we will never wear them again. Right. So I've always said, we've always said that one cool night, we're going to do our own drag show or something. And, um, and I keep threatening them with it because otherwise, why are we holding on to all those gowns? No one else is going to wear them. I'd love to arrange a drag show for you, sister. Let me do it. See if we can get the brothers to play. Well, I think that's all the questions we have. Um, is there anything you would like to, you know, maybe ask us or anything else you would like to promote as far as, you know, your organization? Yeah, I mean, I think I would just like to say that we have two new products we're coming out with. One's 
based on the new science of CBD, where they've determined that if you want to fight infections and diabetes and other heart issues, you need some of the raw plant medicine with the cooked plant medicine. So we've got a new line of products coming out called CBD Plus that has the raw medicine with the cooked medicine. And we're also coming out with a pet line for animals that basically just has none of the essential oils or scents that might bother animals. And all of our products are on sistersvalley.org. And I think we've got a summer sale going on right now. Oh, cool. Be sure to check that out. <laughs> Interesting to try some of the products. Maybe the coffee. I do have a follow-up question now. Yes. You mentioned earlier that the sales were down compared to pre-COVID. Why yes. do you think that happened without everybody getting sick? Why do you think the sales didn't pick up? I thought they were the double. Um, I Because I think that we're still in a pandemic economy and our products, even though a lot of people that buy our products buy them for pain and anxiety and serious medical conditions, they're not paid for by their insurance. So if, if people are tight and, and jobs are down and... Uh, I don't know. We're still feeling the post-pandemic economy. Maybe not everybody is, but we we certainly are. What is? What do you think the future is like? What, what's in the future plans for us, or or do you think I have a crystal ball? No, for you. For you. For you. As far as like expansion, where you guys want to see yourselves? Well, we are. Uh, we do think our mushroom coffee is going to be very, very big, but we need to get ourselves an individual packet filler and get the individual packets out in local places because people drive into the valley looking for our products, and we're pretty cloistered, and there's no way anybody can just randomly come find us. So we should have our mushroom. Well, we hope you ladies have the best future endeavors. It was nice talking to you, Sister Kate, Sister Maria, and anybody else, you know, who's in the room. We thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm talking about Learned a lot. Learned a lot. <laughs> Honestly. Very good. Very good. I like to hear that. Well, thank you. Well, we'll come on anytime you want us yeah. and let us know when you air. So we would definitely have you back on because, like, I already asked you what's the future's holding, so I need to, you know, results. <laughs> 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 okay okay <laughs> that's fine my co-host told me there was a sh- it was gonna be a show about smoking nuns I said, I'm <laughs> he looked at me crazy like, that was definitely I- it <laughs> so but um it was definitely insightful i learned a lot before I, you know i mean i've already researched you guys but it's always different hearing it live so i'm still stuck on the pizza being a vegetable like that might have <laughs> look it up it's true but we do thank you for all the support that you're doing towards feminism and activism activism and helping your community out thank you thank you and thank you for you know hosting such a socially responsible podcast absolutely thank you guys <laughs> well Sushas, this has been another impactful insightful and exciting show here at the melting pot i'm your host sly i'm cardi the dawn and, and this, this has been, been- the, the melting, melting pot. pot. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the real melting pot. That's T H E E real melting pot on Twitter at the melting pot 16 and on YouTube at the melting pot podcast. And you can follow our lovely guest at sistersthevalley.org.